Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental. And here is your 30-second summary. Born on the chessboard of the Wars of the Roses, the Red Queen and the White Queen were locked in battle their entire lives until a brief moment when they worked together to change the course of history. Welcome to the show. Hi, we are talking about the Tudors. We're continuing our Tudor series, and this week we're discussing two women who Beckett refers to as the Tudor grandmothers. That's Margaret Beaufort and Elizabeth Woodville. They were the grandmothers of Henry VIII. One was of the House of Lancaster, the other of the House of York. So they were enemies, turned allies, turned enemies, never friends. Not a friend, no. (laughs) Allies, the best we can do. I think so. Between them, they changed the course of history. And you know what these ladies remind me of? There are these super cute... Really tacky things called weather houses. They almost look like cuckoo clocks. Mm-hmm. The little yeah. handmade shingles. <laughs> there are usually two figures. They swing in and out of doorways. The nice, sunny, happy one comes out when it's going to be sunny outside. Mm-hmm. And then the barometric pressure changes, and the dark one comes out, and it's going to rain. These ladies are clearly the figures in a weather house because they can never be out in the sun at the same time. No. One is in, one is out. Throughout their whole True. Very true. Now, technically, Elizabeth Woodville is uh, predates Margaret Beaufort, but we're going to start with Margaret Beaufort just because there's a lot more known about her. And um, I don't know. It's our podcast. We can start wherever we want. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Margaret Beaufort actually came from from a pretty wealthy family. She was the only child of John Beaufort, who was the first Duke of Somerset. And his wife, Margaret Beecham. Beecham. No, regardless of how you see it spelled, it's pronounced Beecham. John was a soldier under Henry VI. However, he failed his king kind of grandly Mm -hmm. there toward the end. um, You know, he was not the winningest captain. And also, there is a rumor, a charge, shall we say, that instead of heading toward battle with his men, as he ought to have done, he instead pointed his face away from the battle and basically went through the land demanding tribute and being a general thieving band of men in the king's name. He did. He was a shakedown artist in the king's name, which is not going to win hearts and minds of royalty. Mm -mm. And he didn't last too much longer after that. No, she was just an infant when he... Now, historians differ on this, but pretty much... He probably killed himself. Yeah, it could be illness, it could be suicide, but... Awfully convenient timing on the illness, because if you are convicted of treason, your lands are forfeit to the crown. So if he were to save his legacy and save his lands, that's his option, probably, as he saw it. So so who knows? It's back in the midst of time. That said, though, this child, this little one-year-old child, was now a grand heiress to a great fortune. And not only that, she's descended from royalty. She's descended from a previous king and his mistress who he later married, and they legitimized all those children. So she's descended from royalty, and she's worth a lot of cash. Yes, good good blood flowing through her veins. She is a little child with very good luggage. Now, at this time, um, little children like this with no papas are (laughs) often offered up, the wardships are offered up for them, and people pay to have this honor of controlling the fortune of this 
this child. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, they also had control over who this child might marry. And that was the case here because she is married off to John de la Pole, which is a name I just like to say. At the age of six. 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 Maybe seven. If you know what? Be nice. <laughs> I got married at six on the playground. I did too. Oh, it was so sweet. This was probably not that sweet. Not so much. And it didn't last that long. Um, at the age of nine, it was felt necessary to haul the small child into court and have her formally renounce her first marriage, which of course was never consummated. It, no. It was a, it was a paper marriage. Right. And also at nine, her wardship was transferred away to the king's half-brothers. Jasper and Edmund Tudor. There's that name. She did get to stay with her mother. Thank you for that at yeah. the age of nine. What? For letting me stay with my mother and not have to go, you know, live with strange people. They did have control of her fortune, and I do believe that's what Henry was going for. I'm sure it was. I'm definitely sure it was. But at 12, this Halcyon series of being able to stay with her mother did not last. No, and she is, this is her official marriage, is to Edmund Tudor, who is the half-brother of King Henry the does she seem like nothing more than a parcel? Oh, and, and all the, that's, you know what, that's kind of my thing with this whole Tudor era. Um, it's, they're just, the women are just commodities. It's mm-hmm. like you have a baby girl, and it's like, oh, great, a girl, no bloodlines. Oh, what can we sell her off to? Mm-hmm. What can we get for her? Mm-hmm. And it just, it kind of, it, heart, it hurts my heart. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. anyway, that was history, and that's the way it was. But well, her- she's 12. He's 24. So more than even the age difference, which is pretty common in this time, too, she had to go away and live in a strange place. Wales, at the time, was like basically the Wild West. It was a lawless land full of strange people speaking strange language. And these two men, men, grown men, she was expected to go and just live with them. Mm -hmm. And she did. And within about a year, she's pregnant. So she's 13, and her husband, um, Edmund Tudor, is taken by force, <laughs> as was was happening. We talked about that in our quadruple T <laughs> podcast. Um, she's killed. So she's pregnant. And she's 13. And a widow. Jasper takes her in, and um, she gives birth to her son, who is Henry VII. Yes, but he's not Henry VII yet. No, he's just Henry Tudor. Is it telling that they wanted her to name him Edmund after his father and she refused and named him Henry after the king? So there's a little bit of loyalty to the Lancaster Mm -hmm. king even, like, running through. I have to say, I really feel for her alone in this strange place. It took almost two days for her baby to be born. She was so little Mm -hmm. and so young Mm -hmm. and knew nobody there. I mean, I can't imagine the horrible pain and the horrible fear. Scary. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, and giving birth nobody. is scary to begin with. I think I think that that experience, the bewilderment after having just had the bewilderment of getting thrown into Wales, would have to leave your its mark on your psyche. Oh, Like absolutely. some kind of trauma. Well, it left its mark on her body, too. It did. Because it ruined her for her fertility was shot right there. No, what it did... All this trauma was to make her fiercely protective of this little son. This ordeal that they had both gone through made Margaret um, just really fiercely attached to this little baby, mm-hmm. at least emotionally. She had great hopes for her son's rise in the world, and um, there's reports later, although, you know, you can write whatever you want later when you're older about how it was <laughs> when you were younger, but 
She had always maintained that she had a vision from when he was a baby that one day he would be the greatest man in the land, which at the time seemed absurd because there's a lot of people ahead of him with way better claims to the throne. Right, right. But she had to let him go. She had to let him go. And she was 15. Is there no rest (laughs) for the parcel? No. No. She had to let him go. So he, he was two or three, and she was to be married again to her first cousin, Henry Stafford. We're going to call Stafford because there's too many Henrys. Um, he's 18 years older than she is. What the heck? But wrenching for her emotionally. Um, unusually for the time, Margaret Beaufort was considered quite involved in his little life. Mm-hmm. Like she would take him from the nurses and, you know, walk around with him and play with him and talk to him. And that's just not very common for a lady of noble. But who else did no. she have, really? Yeah, she didn't. And, and she's 13. Yeah, Nowadays, I mean, we don't play with dolls at 13 anymore, but it was almost like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, the Tudor heir has to stay with the Tudor men. You know, the Tudor heir can't just be transported around everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, so much sadness already. People aren't that different now. Don't you think this would start to make you a little hard? Yes. Yeah. I think everything that's happened to her up to this point would harden me. And so she really took a lot of solace in prayer. She's famous famous for her piety Mm -hmm. and she would always fast on saints days of which there are a lot (laughs) yeah um luckily her husband stafford old enough to be her father really encouraged her education he let he let her Mm -hmm. let her read let me say that again yeah he allowed her to educate herself (sighs) interesting I, i find him a little nicer than most tutor men yeah. Because he wasn't, you know, they had a pretty good relationship for quite a long time. Yeah, they were this they were married for about 11 years. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's important years in her development. Well, and between the two of them, they were very, very wealthy. Plus, the king gave them an additional wedding present of $400,000 in today's money, mm-hmm. which... One author kind of referred to as chump change compared to her money. So if you can imagine that 400000 in today's money is like, oh, here's some pocket money. Right. Think about how wealthy she really is. She really was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. And, you know, and so I think that's, you know, that's good that she also had the freedom to enrich her mind. So, but where was Henry Tudor this whole time? Well, he was first with his uncle Jasper, but then bad things happened. You know how Lancaster and York don't like each other. Right. He was given to a York family in wardship. That's dirty. Can you imagine how that feels to know that your son is in your enemy's house, hearing your enemy talk bad about your family, etc.? The death of his guardian, though, flung him into exile, kind of. So he basically, from the age of 14, was in Brittany and France. And so all you've got is letters. Letters is pretty much all you have. Letters about destiny. Letters about duty. Letters about the wheel of fortune. And I'm not talking about Vanna. This is kind of an old thought that it turns. The wheel turns. And are you on the top? And a slight little bit of balance losing will swing you right to the bottom. Bottom again. Yep. No more true than this era, man. This is like a game of Survivor in which you don't survive. <laughs> the I whole w- thing. I wish someone had said that to me when we first started thinking and talking about tutors because you talk about it. It is. It's a game of Survivor, the TV show. Now that I can relate to. Definitely. So she never, ever forgot her son and his great destiny. And as the wars kept going and kept going, 
We talked about that earlier. The Lancaster men get picked off one by one by one. He gets closer and closer with almost every year. Right. And he but he's safe over in France at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, they're apart, but but at least he's safe. So, at 28, she was a widow again. She has control of her money mm-hmm. and she has a little more world wisdom at this yeah, point in her at life. Yeah, cuz at 28 at this time, I, you know, there's, You're on the way. Yeah. You're on the slide down. You are. I know. It's hard to believe. But <laughs> she chooses her husband this time. Mm-hmm. It's not chosen for her. And um, she marries Thomas Stanley, who is the first Earl of Derby. You know, I am just keep thinking that she's sitting there in her house right after Stafford had died, thinking, what to do? What to do? What do I have strategy-wise mm-hmm. in my favor? She's got to be... Because she's known to be a Lancaster heiress. She's got to get on the York's good side. Who shall she pick? I think she picked a good one. Yeah, I think she did. Um, Going back to the end battle of the Wars of the Roses, the Stanley clan was kind of going in saying, yes, only they stayed off to the side till the end. They're famous for being always being on the winning side. Isn't that awesome? Mostly because they didn't. Get on the side at all until mm-hmm. they saw which way the wind blew. Right. That's it's, a pretty good survivor technique. I think it's a great survivor technique. You know, like, why are we looking askance at that? I'm like, well, who lived, frankly? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's smart. So he was smart, and he mm-hmm. had the strategery you needed mm-hmm. in a husband. Mm-hmm. And he had the perhaps negotiable loyalty that she needed. Yes. If you weren't going to pick a side till the end, well, come with me, and I'll take you to the end. Yes. <laughs> it's good. So, he's on his own side. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. Well, giving the illusion of being on a side. Or both sides. Yes. They were also notorious for splitting the difference. Like, one brother would be over there, and this brother would be over here. Whichever way the battle landed, right. the winning brother would be like, oh, my brother's just foolish. Please forgive him. Okay. <laughs> So they always had somebody to haul him out of the mud on the other side. That's family loyalty. That's smart, man. Yeah, that's that's a great strategy. So Lord Stanley, he encouraged her to come to court and be a lady-in-waiting to the Queen, Elizabeth Woodville. So here's a Lancaster schemer, mm-hmm. through and through, seriously, through and through, who is put in the middle of the House of York next to the Queen, where she is enormously good at hiding her true feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, she's been, yeah, lived a life where she can develop that kind of skill. Right exactly. There. And I don't know how much the Queen Elizabeth Woodville really, really believed her. She was known for her piety. She's always on her knees in the chapel. Uh, she's a good woman, etc. So right. she got respect, <laughs> if not love, I will tell you. But then it, she did, just as a little aside, she, Margaret actually had took a vow of chastity. In the middle of her marriage. <laughs> okay, I'm done with this. <laughs> Sorry, Stanley. <laughs> we know nothing's going to happen, so let's just... There's no babies. Let's just put an end to that. <laughs> so this good reputation that she has built over years in the York court, however, came crashing down. And because she backed, perhaps even masterminded, a doomed attempt at a coup by her son against Richard III and. That was bad. She was punished really badly. Her husband, of course, was on the winning side. He was unscathed. Oh, dear. That's terrible. (laughs) But the wife was implicated quite thoroughly. Her property was seized and given to her husband. 
I mean, in its entirety. And even and, her clothes it, were only hers by his allowance. That was very etc. kind, yeah. uh, her, The very food on her table was his. Everything was his. Um, I think, though, he saved her because the, the rumors of, you know, treason, 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 she could easily have been executed. But yeah. I think his habit of pulling people out of the mud probably saved her life. Mm-hmm. Although he wasn't going to give her property back no. because he is no fool. <laughs> no. Why should he? All she had left, really all she had left were those little threads of back to the queen, you know, the, the time they spent together. Poor Elizabeth's husband was not in power. The horrible scar, Richard III, that had killed the princes in the tower, thought he was all the king. And the two women, powerless women, mm-hmm. really, between them came up with a scheme that Henry Tudor was going to marry Elizabeth Warbell's daughter. And together they'd be Lancaster and York, and who could complain about that? Nobody! All the people that loved the Yorks would fight for them because of Elizabeth of York, and all the people that loved the Lancasters would fight for Henry, right? That was going to be awesome. So it's the grandmas, <laughs> you know, behind this, the scenes deal. But it was the boys that really won it. The Battle of Bosworth, it all came down. Try number two. Henry Tudor, with really nothing but mercenaries, and then the French allowed him to open some prisons. And select uh-huh. some convicts, like, hello, convicts, would you like to die here for show? Or would you like to follow this stranger to a land where you might live and you might even get some money? Okay, you have 30 seconds to make your choice. Pick now. Yeah, and yeah. so some obviously picked the only chance they had of living and went with Henry Tudor. I don't know if these are the best soldiers. No, it's a ragtag army at best. Yeah, it is. Um, but he battled Richard III. And Stanley, okay, hold your breath. You're not gonna, you're not gonna think this is characteristic at all. At the last minute, what did he do? He flew in. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Oh, look who's winning. Yeah. And so, you know, he won the battle. Yeah. After having stayed out of it and on a hill. They were standing there watching to see which way the tide would turn. And then he put his force on the side of his stepson and went in. And it all worked out. It did all work out. Her son, Margaret Beaufort's son, was now Henry the Seventh, and she was now called My Lady the King's Mother. My Lady the King's Mother. And, you know, maybe she thought of that all those years ago when she had said that she had a vision of the greatness of her son, and she really never lost faith in it and worked very hard to make it happen, despite ridiculous odds against it. Some unknown... Scrapper from a foreign country that spoke English with an accent is going to come with all these prisoners from the depths of France and take England, but it happened. Goop up the crown and pop it on his head. And that's the start of the Tudor line. And Henry VII did marry Elizabeth of York. Yes, he did. Just like the plan was. And then historian Dr. David Starkey describes Margaret Beaufort as, I quote, the mother-in-law from hell. (laughs) Having achieved the status of my lady, the the king's mother, she was not about to give precedence to anybody, even the queen of Yeah, she kind of broke a lot of the, the rules of court as far as, you know, how far she should walk behind the queen and, um, title, you know, what they call each other. And yeah, she was. The level of curtsying needs to be like almost to the ground for royalty. And she would 
just shy of insult, like do not go down far enough. She would dress in the same fine clothes as the queen did, which you needed to leave a little distance. Yeah. And she didn't. Nope. She walked so close to the queen mm-hmm. that she would often almost trip her or step on the hem of her gown. She was trying to stay half a step behind her, but kind of give the appearance of walking side by side. So you know how it would creep, probably. Oh, yeah. At one point, it was like a photo finish. It's like, ladies, really? So she definitely tried to be in her son's business pretty much all the time. But you know what? He appreciated her. He really did. King Henry VII was extremely attached to his mother. Um, So much so, in fact, he had his wife's mother sent from court. You know, one less competitor, probably at his mother's urging. Too many cooks. I have a thing. Too many queens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we want to dowager queen when we have a queen and then we have me, the king's mother? So, for Stomp that little foot. <laughs> yeah. And, um, in fact, uh, she was made regent for Henry VIII. She lived long enough to see Henry VIII become the king um, upon his father's death. Now, she was only regent for two months because, you know, she died. She's buried in Westminster Abbey in a um, in a tomb that is surrounded by spiky black fences. And if that's not an indicator of her character, she is a spiky black fence emotionally. But I somehow just really like her because she never let go of her goal, kind of. No. I'm... Obsessive as it was. Yeah. She never, you know, stopped kind of maneuvering and placing her chess pieces in the right order. For her son. For listeners of this podcast, Audible.com is offering a free download so you can have a chance to try out their service. For this podcast, we recommend The Red Queen by Philippa Gregory. Now, there's going to be several versions at Audible.com. What you want to look for is The Red Queen, unabridged, narrated by Bianca Amato. It's over 12 hours, completely worth spending time on. So to try The Red Queen or any other number of historical audiobooks you'll find there, simply go to audible.com slash thehistorychicks or, more easily, go to our website, thehistorychicks.com and follow the Audible link. Uh, we're gonna, actually going to go back a little bit in time now. So we've heard what happened with Margaret through her life and once her life intertwined with Elizabeth Woodville's. But let's go back and take a look at Elizabeth's life. Elizabeth Woodville, or shall we say my lady, the Queen's mother. So this is maternal grandmother. Mm-hmm. Was the oldest child of the 14 or so children of Sir Richard Woodville and Jaquetta, the Dowager Duchess of Bedfordshire. Okay, she's the widow of the brother of Henry V. This is a person who has been royal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's got a name. <laughs> it's not Elizabeth or Margaret. <laughs> I know. I'm shocked. Well, she is from Luxembourg. Yeah. She was also known as Jaquetta of Luxembourg. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe on Luxembourg, there's Jaquettas on every street corner. And, but I think that they it was actually a love match. You don't hear about that too often. Yes. But this. Yes. You know what the heck? You're right. What was she doing married to this relatively obscure country night? Well, the thing is... 
He worked for her first husband as captain of one of his garrisons. Her husband died, and she was not supposed to marry without the king's permission. But she did, and in secret, for which she had to pay about a million dollars in today's money for doing it. That's love. If that's not a love match, <laughs> yeah. and then they have all these kids, so obviously it was a love match. It wasn't. I'm just saying, there's love and there's love. So she grew up in the country, Elizabeth Woodville did. Her parents did go from court back to the country. I mean, they weren't always there, but they did give their daughters the classic education of the time, you know, writing, Mm -hmm. sewing, Mm -hmm. dancing, Mm -hmm. maybe reading and writing, because the mother was known to appreciate a good book. Whether she transmitted that to her daughters is unknown. Right. But possible. Uh, Commanding a household, of course, you have to learn. Well, these are all things, yeah. These are some skills they're going to need. Well, practical education, you know. And then what happens to children of wealthy people? They get married off. (laughs) Her first husband, and again, she's about 14, 15, um, is Sir John Gray. And she had two sons very young, just like Margaret. Mm -hmm. Although she was surrounded by family and neighbors, you know, and her mother was in the picture. So, And she was a little bit older. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a huge difference between a 13-year-old girl and a, and a 16, 16, 16-year-old yeah. girl. There's, you know, it's still dangerous for their bodies, but it's not as dangerous. Mm-hmm. So she has her two, two sons with him. And she's married to him about 10 years. And, um, you know, onlookers have written this down as compassionate and agreeable. I mean, this was no love match, but that's not common. No. So if you have a compassionate and agreeable marriage, I think you hit the jackpot That's a in success. this time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And she I love how she's always described as being very beautiful. And we'll, we'll put portrait up of her on our website. And you know, okay, I these this like Tudor era and then slightly before the Tudor era portraits never make anyone look attractive, but somehow yeah. even shining through this weird technique they have of flattening everybody's mm-hmm. faces and dumping these horrible headdresses on them, <laughs> she's still to modern eyes does look very beautiful Mm -hmm. which makes me think real life she was probably stunning right right yeah Uh, famous the the woodville daughters were famous for their beauty end of story right famous (laughs) um the thing is her family uh was were lancaster supporters ironically considering her ultimate fate Mm -hmm. um her father and oldest brother and mother actually were held prisoner for some time by the orcs that's no thing no but they got out yes so (laughs) They did what they had to do. <laughs> well, in fact, her husband was killed in a battle, leaving her a widow with two sons. They're certainly not a penniless one. Uh, on paper, she had to appeal to the king to restore her estates to her because she had mother-in-law trouble. <laughs> don't we all? No, I don't mean that at all. I'm not kidding that out. That's okay. <laughs> she doesn't listen. <laughs> So her family got back on King Edward's good side during these three years when she was a widow. Now, there is a legend that she stood by the side of the road and witchcrafted him off his horse. When the truth is, he had reason to come to her father's house to, you know, accept his hospitality on his way from here to there. The truth is, she may have used witchcraft, but the classic old kind of witchcraft of being hot. Yes, that was the only... The only magical powers that she had. I mean, King Edward IV was a womanizer. Now, and remember, we, the King Edward IV, we call him the take-no-crap king. And he's also the extraordinarily handsome king. Yes. And a lot of things you'll read, you'll, they'll say, she's the first commoner to marry an English sovereign. 
Yeah, I guess technically she was, although she did have royal blood running through her on her mother's side, yes? But it's the father's, I think, it's the father's lack of a title. He got one later. Right. As many others did. Mm -hmm. If you get to marry the king, your family climbs up on the social ladder a little bit. Well, and that's why these poor women were used as commodities. As pawns. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so she, yeah, she's the daughter of someone with no noble title. He's a knight, which means he's performed well in battle. They were married in secret. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, and later, all of his advisors had set up this marvelous political alliance for Edward with a French princess. It's all signed and sealed, sir. We've got it ready. This is going to be great. Our classic enemy is now going to be tied to us. Sorry, guys. I got something to tell you. I ran off to Vegas. He ran off to Vegas! Isn't she beautiful? And they're just sitting there with their mouths open, not trusting themselves to talk, as their stomachs almost want to vomit all over the table. Really? You have ruined... Really? And you can't really say anything, because you're not the boss of him. That's right, he is. And the king can just marry when the king wants to get married, but that really wrecked your plans. Yep. Mm-mm-mm. And so she was crowned queen <laughs> at about age 28. <laughs> Yay! And then these Woodville hillbillies had the nerve to come into the noble court and proceed to take up all the eligible money matches as these <laughs> daughters took up all the spots that should have been taken by their daughters, marrying these wealthy titled men and... Dang it! They're connected now, though. They're just... just... Well, I'm just saying, like, the the view of the court was like, now who is this comment? What? (laughs) Swoop. That one was bad enough, and now there's, like, ten of them. What the heck? So, yeah, the court was a little bit not happy, and the man who had made the French princess match got pretty embarrassed, you know, about that, Mm -hmm. called the Kingmaker, who had basically made Edward the King was not very happy and was pretty much her enemy. And that's a pretty powerful enemy. That's no good. There was a little setback when she was Mm -hmm. 33. Henry VI was put back on the throne. Henry VI was pretty crazy by this time. This was crazy, King Henry VI. And she had to flee with her, at the time, three little daughters Mm -hmm. and two sons from her previous marriage. They cruised to Westminster Abbey to go into sanctuaries. Basically, it's ollie-ollie-oxen-free if you can get into a church and dudes are chasing you. It's like, woo, base. Base. You know, but you've got to stay there. Mm -hmm. So you come out, they can get you. And it's theoretically 40 days and 40 nights, but... I think she was there for, like, a year. <laughs> Theoretically, the sanctuary doesn't last, you know, forever. Right. But, um, yeah, it was seen as very bad uh, form to haul people out of sanctuary, although it had been done if they were soldiers, but this is a woman in... And children. Yeah. Wouldn't do that. Now, she's in sanctuary, and she has a son in the basement of a chapel at Westminster Abbey. There's no tapestry hangings. There's no army of waiting women and royal witnesses watching the birth. This is a... This is as crude as it gets. Well, and now, her husband has an heir. And now, after about a year, we're back! Woohoo! So her weather vane has moved out into the sun again. She comes out of sanctuary. Her husband's the king. So confusing. (laughs) So she's back out. Oh, we've got our fancy clothes. Our daughters are... Are many more daughters, by the way. She has a lot of daughters. All very beautiful. Seven girls. Yep. Yep. And not all of them named the same thing. 
No, there was actually a Bridget. Bridget. The baby was Bridget. I love that name. Mm-hmm. It's cute. So there's like a, you know, 11-year period of jewels and fabulous dancing and daughters growing up into young women. And mm-hmm. 11 years is a nice run, but it all had to come to an end at some point. Her husband died. Unexpectedly. And they always say, of a chill. Of a chill. Like, do people nowadays die of a chill? I don't know. It's sidelined both of us. Oh, well. <laughs> For That's a week. true. We did sound like um, Tina Turner or... Yeah, you sounded like Demi Moore. I did. I, just, I was just mean. <laughs> Sleepy and mean. <laughs> it's bad to sound like that without having smoked for like 50 years first, isn't it? That's yeah. what we sounded like. Yeah, it's not good. Okay, so this is when it all went down. The little son became, at the death of his father, Elizabeth's son became King Edward V. And unfortunately, Scar came on the scene. He's supposed to be the protector. Not so much. He's protecting his own interests. Now, we'll have to put in a special feature. There was a relatively believable pretender named Perkin Warbeck. And, you know, rumors have gone down through history that Elizabeth Woodville had secretly replaced her younger son, Richard, with a page boy or a servant child or whatever Mm -hmm. and had sent her son out to safety in secret. Mm -hmm. That would be a good story if it were true. There's no way to tell. But we'll put the Perkin Warbeck story, which is interesting, in in a special feature. But let's assume that most historians are right, and both sons perished in the tower. She went back into sanctuary, and now there's a lot more children (laughs) in these four rooms. But Richard went further. He declared that his brother was the son of an archer. He declared that King Edward had been a bastard. He also said that Edward IV had already been married, and therefore all of Edward's children were bastards too. Bastards all around. Bastards, bastards, bastards. So now she's Dame Elizabeth Grey, and Richard says, Oh, please, come out, you know, now that there's no sons. Mm-hmm. Come out of sanctuary. I'll treat them nicely. They're all beautiful. They'd make a nice addition to my court. Please come back. And like, what are you going to do? You don't have any... You, you have to kind of go back there and make nicey-nice with the man who probably killed your two little sons. The, the traitorous brother of your loved husband. But what are you going to do? I mean, you're back there. And then, unfortunately, Richard III took a shine to his niece, Elizabeth of York. He sure did. And at one point... This is the irony... To Scotch rumors, Elizabeth of York, daughter of Elizabeth Woodville, was sent to live with the most pious, reputation-fixing, rumor-scotching person they could think of, Margaret Beaufort. Uh-huh. Have you seen the movie Mansfield Park, right at the end, how Cousin Mariah and Aunt Norris are foul, dirty face, glaring at each other over their dining room table, having had to live together in this horrible household. I'm seeing that That right now. That same situation. That's interesting. Like, you know, on one hand, it's like, oh, hello, frivolous butterfly ridiculousness. (laughs) Oh, hello, old crow who spends all your day in prayer and has no sense of humor. Hi. So nice to see you. No, this is completely fictional. I just want to say, though, this is kind of what I think of this situation. Mm. Philippa Gregory, in her book, The Red Queen, which right. is about uh, Margaret Beaufort, has a little conversation between these two women during this time period mm. where, to show her dominance, as she's wont to do, Margaret Beaufort sits in front of the Elizabeth of York 
and is talking about how, well, you'll have to marry whichever one wins the battle. Richard III, if he wins, your uncle, you'll have to marry him. Or you'll have to marry my son if he wins. And Elizabeth York answers back, and either way, I will be the queen and you will never sit in my presence again. So after all of this mess with, like, we're in, we're out, Richard III is a jerk, Margaret Beaufort's friends and allies and Elizabeth Woodville's friends and allies worked together to put Henry the Tudor on the throne. So there's a brief period of happiness, but it was a weird court with too many queens in it, and um, eventually Elizabeth Woodville was kicked out and sent to an abbey to live. And I think, I think it was that Margaret Beaufort could not handle the competition. In-law issues. Yes, major. Although there is, I mean, is she, did she willingly go to the Abbey, or was she sent there? You know, what's interesting, the language later says that Elizabeth Woodville was, I quote, permitted to participate in public life. So not like invited, well, you know, mm-hmm. happily, but like on special occasions she was permitted to She's join the family. Trooped out for family events. I know. And then her allowance was just hardly ever paid, and she ended her life in abject poverty, which is heartbreaking to me. Yes. Um, and she, in her will, let me quote something from her will, I have no worldly goods to do the queen's grace a pleasure with, nor to reward any of my children according to my heart and mind. So she was just basically able to leave her good wishes and nothing else to her children after all this time. And all those children, yeah. And all those children. All those girls. When she was 55, Mm -hmm. not very old, Elizabeth Woodville died, and she was given a very simple funeral. Now, it was her request to be given a simple funeral, but I don't think she meant this simple. With, like, old wooden candlesticks and used torches and very cheap arrangements. And, in fact, her son, her gray son, from her first marriage, mm-hmm. paid a lot of stuff out of his own money after he came and saw, like, what's going on, really? Like, he upped some of the arrangements a little out of his own pocket. He was appalled at how... They cheaped out on the they funeral. totally cheaped out yeah. on the funeral. And one historian says that she was officially forgotten. Officially just forgotten. That makes me very sad. That is, because she played such an integral integral role. So this beautiful lady who spent, really, most of her life in the sun, in the basement, in the sun, Mm -hmm. in the basement, um, ended up so far in the basement. She's in the (laughs) sub-basement. I wanted to read a quote from historian David Baldwin, and he ends the story of her life by saying Elizabeth Woodville was a woman who experienced greater vicissitudes of fortune than anyone of her generation and who was probably more sinned against than sinning. We can question her motives but not her ability, her judgment but not her loyalty. All in all there is much to admire in the personality of the White Queen. Excellent. And before you put that book away, um, this particular book, we would highly recommend it. It is Philippa Gregory, David Baldwin, and Michael Jones, The Women of the Cousins' War, The Duchess, the Queen, and the King's Mother. But if you can get through this book, it will tell you the color in all all the stories of these women that we were just discussing. One of the most interesting things that I think that we've discovered in this particular podcast endeavor is that you can follow all these women on twitter you can there's like people who keep up twitter accounts you can follow elizabeth woodville on twitter i mean that's kind of cool and seriously what does she say on twitter there's like little history lots a lot of these women and as they come up i will 
tell you who they are. They ha- people maintain their their personas as Twitter accounts, and every day they, they'll send out a little tidbit, a little bit of history, <laughs> just into your Twitter feed, just a little bit every day. So that's kind of um, the Tudor Tudor also does that, mm-hmm. and it's just a little bit of Tudor history every day, just a little bit, one little nugget, take it, and go on with your day. Excellent. Yeah, so you can follow Elizabeth Woodville on Twitter. And another good book to read. Um, we've already talked about this in the previous episode, but The War of the Roses by Allison Weir gives you a good insight. Now, all the books we recommend go in great detail about the battles mm-hmm. and everything. So you have to kind of extract out what parts you want about the women's lives. And that's always the problem with especially this period of history is right. like so much of it is battles that you kind of have to interpret and take out the little segments of the women's lives that you're able to get a hold of from the middle. There are two excellent fictional stories, The White Queen, it's Elizabeth Woodville, and The Red Queen, that's Margaret Beaufort, um, by Philippa Gregory. And you might even read those. I did the Red Queen on audiobook. Oh. And that actress is amazing. Really? So, yeah, the Red Queen on audiobook would be a good one. Oh, that is good. Now, now that you have, I mean, I'm assuming that most of you came in with some Tudor information already. But if you haven't and you're just starting to get involved, you ha- you know enough now that you can follow a blog, tutorconfessions.tumblr.com. It's a Tumblr blog. And it's just kind of it's fun. It's not a serious, but it's Tudor Confessions, and and it's it's we'll, we'll link you up to it. But it's just a fun Tudor blog that you have enough information now that you can understand what they're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fun one. So the um, also on Netflix, if you have Netflix streaming, there is the David Starkey Monarchy, in which he talks about these women. Right. Right, and we did recommend that in our last podcast, mm-hmm. but we'll do it again mm-hmm. because it's the series is really wonderful, and they don't speak. the The actors are just, but they look remarkably like the people. They really do. It, so that the whole Margaret Beaufort when she was a little girl married off um, images really are kind of haunting. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah, and I always think of Elizabeth Woodville. And Margaret Beaufort is almost like Margaret Beaufort had to fight from underneath to get to the top, and Elizabeth Woodville just had to balance on the top and try not to fall off. Ooh, that's a great way to end it. Well, thank you very much for joining us for this discussion, and we will be back soon. Bye. For show notes and links to the things we talked about today, please visit us at thehistorychicks.com. Follow us on Twitter at thehistorychicks with with an an X. X. Or like us on Facebook without an X. If you'd like to send real life, please tell a few friends or leave a review for us on iTunes. The music for our show comes from Music Alley. Visit them at musicalley.com.